The Krakatoa Sunsets Observations by Gerard Manley Hopkins From the journal Nature, January 3rd, 1884 This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org The body of evidence now brought in from all parts of the world must i think by this time have convinced mr piazzi smith that the late sunrises and sunsets do need some explanation more particular than he was willing to give them with your leave i should like to point out from my own observations and those of others that given a clear sky and the other conditions put by mr smith the sunrises and sunsets of other days however bright and beautiful have not given any such effects as were witnessed to take an instance here on sunday night december sixteenth i shall speak chiefly of the sunsets first these sunsets differ from others first in their time and their place or quarter Sunset proper is, I suppose, the few minutes between the first dipping and the last disappearance of the sun's disk below the true horizon. The pageant, or phenomena we call sunset, however, includes a great deal that goes on before and after this. The remarkable and specific features of the late sunsets have not been before or at sunset proper. They have been afterglows and have lasted long, very long after. To take instances from your number of the 13th last month, Mr. F. A. R. Russell notices that on November 28th, the sun having set at 3.55, one afterglow lasted until 5.10, and was then succeeded by another, reaching high above the horizon. The day before, he mentions the afterglow as lasting to 5.20. On the 29th, a foreglow is reported as seen in London from 5.30 to 7.30. That is more than two hours before sunrise, which was at 7.43. On December 1st, sunset being at 3.53, Mr. Russell observed an afterglow till 5.35. On December 4th, the first dawn at 6.50, the sun rising at 7.50, the next day dawn at the same time, sunrise 7.51. That evening, sunset being at 3.50, he observed not a glow only, but spokes of rays from the glowing bank at 4.45, that is to say, sunbeams visible in the shape of sunbeams, 55 minutes after sunset. Mr. Johnson Lavis speaks of the afterglow at Naples as at a maximum an hour after sunset. Here at Stonyhurst, on December 16th, the sun having set at 3.49, the glow was observed till 5.50. Now, winter dawns and afterglows do not last from an hour to two hours and still less so day after day as these have done. 
the recent sunrises and sunsets then differ from others in duration they differ also in the quarter of the heavens where they are seen the afterglows are not low lingering slips of light skirting the horizon but high up in the sky sometimes in the zenith i have further remarked that the deepest of the afterglow is in the south whereas the sun below the horizon is then northing i see that other observers take notice of the same second they differ in their periodic action or behavior the flushes of crimson and other colors after ordinary sunsets are irregular not the same nor at the same time for two days together for they depend upon the accidental shapes and sizes and densities of the cloud banks or vapor banks the sun is entering or freeing himself from which vary and can never be alike from day to day but these glows or flushes are noticed to be periodic before sunrise and after sunset mr russell furnishes exact estimates of the intervals of time which he finds to be the same day after day third they differ in the nature of the glow which is both intense and lustreless and that both in the sky and on the earth the glow is intense this is what strikes everyone it has prolonged the daylight and optically changed the season it bathes the whole sky it is mistaken for the reflection of a great fire at the sundown itself and southwards from that on december fourth i took a note of it as more like inflamed flesh than the lucid reds of ordinary sunsets on the same evening the fields facing west glowed as if overlaid with yellow wax but it is also lusterless a bright sunset lines the clouds so that their brims look like gold brass bronze or steel it fetches out those dazzling flecks and spangles which people call fish scales it gives to a mackerel or dappled cloud rack the appearance of quilted crimson silk or a ploughed field glazed with crimson ice these effects may have been seen in the late sunsets but they are not the specific afterglow that is without gloss or luster the two things together that is intensity of light and want of luster give to objects on the earth the peculiar illumination which may be seen in studios and other well-like rooms and which itself affects the practice of painters and may be seen in their works notably rembrandt's disguising or feebly showing the outlines and distinctions of things but fetching out white surfaces and colored stuffs with a rich and inward and seemingly self-luminous glow fourth they differ in the regularity of their coloring four colors in particular have been noticeable in these afterglows and in a fixed order of time and place orange lowest and nearest the sundown above this 
and broader green above this broader still a variable red ending in being crimson above this a faint lilac the lilac disappears the green deepens spreads and encroaches on the orange and the red deepens spreads and encroaches on the green till at last one red varying downwards from crimson to scarlet or orange fills the west and south the four colors i have named are mentioned in lieutenant g n biddleson's letter from umbala Quote, the sun goes down as usual and it gets nearly dark and then a bright red and yellow and green and purple blaze comes in the sky and makes it lighter again End quote. i suppose the yellow here spoken of to be an orange yellow and the purple to be what i have above called lilac ordinary sunsets have not this order this so to say fixed and limited palette the green in particular is low down when it appears there is often a trace of olive between the sundown and the higher blue sky but it never develops that i remember into a fresh green fifth they differ in the colors themselves which are impure and not of the spectrum the first orange and the last crimson flush are perhaps pure or nearly so but the two most remarkable glows the green and the red are not the green is between an apple green or pea green which are pure greens and an olive which is a tertiary color it is vivid and beautiful but not pure the red is very impure and not evenly laid on on the fourth it appeared brown like a strong light behind tortoiseshell or derbyshire alabaster it has been well compared to the color of incandescent iron sometimes it appears like a mixture of chalk with sand and muddy earths the pigments for it would be ochre and indian red now the yellows oranges crimsons purples and greens of bright sunsets are beautifully pure tertiary colors may of course also be found in certain cases and places sixth they differ in the texture of the colored surfaces which are neither distinct cloud of recognized make nor yet translucent mediums mr russell's observation should here be read i have further noticed streamers fine ribbing or mackereline and other more curious textures the color varying with the texture in ordinary sunsets the yellows and greens and the lower reds look like glass or colored liquids as pure as the blue other colors or those in other parts are distinct flashes or illuminations of cloud or landscape i subjoin an account of the sunset of the sixteenth which was here very remarkable from my own observations and those of one of the observatory staff a bright glow had been round the sun all day and became more remarkable toward sunset it then had a silvery or steely look with soft radiating streamers and little color 
its shape was mainly elliptical the slightly longer axis being vertical the size about 20 degrees from the sun each way there was a pale gold color brightening and fading by turns for 10 minutes as the sun went down after the sunset the horizon was by 4:10 lined a long way by a glowing tawny light not very pure in color and distinctly textured in hummocks bodies like a shoal of dolphins or in what are called gadroons or as the japanese conventionally represent waves the glowing vapor above this was as yet colorless then this took a beautiful olive or celadon green not so vivid as the previous days and delicately fluted the green belt was broader than the orange and pressed down on and contracted it above the green in turn appeared a red glow broader and burlier in make it was softly brindled and in the ribs or bars the color was rosier in the channels where the blue of the sky shone through it was a mallow color above this was a vague lilac the red was first noticed 45 degrees above the horizon and spokes or beams could be seen in it compared by one beholder to a man's open hand by 445 the red had driven out the green and fusing with the remains of the orange reached the horizon by that time the east which had a rose tinge became of a duller red compared to sand according to my observation the ground of the sky in the east was green or else tawny and the crimson only in the clouds a great sheet of heavy dark cloud with a reefed or puckered make drew off the west in the course of the pageant the edge of this and the smaller pellets of cloud that filed across the bright field of the sundown caught a livid green at five the red in the west was fainter at five twenty it became notably rosier and livelier but it was never of a pure rose a faint dusky blush was left as late as five thirty or later while these changes were going on in the sky the landscape of ribblesdale glowed with a frowning brown the two following observations seem to have to do with the same phenomena and their causes for some weeks past on fine bright days when the sun has been behind a big cloud and has sent up perspectively speaking the dark crown or paling of beams of shadow in such cases commonly to be seen i have remarked upon the ground of the sky sometimes an amber sometimes a soft rose color instead of the usual darkening of the blue also on moonlit nights and particularly on december fourteenth a sort of brown or muddy cast never before witnessed has been seen by more than one observer in the sky gerard hopkins stonyhurst college december twenty first eighteen eighty three end of the krakatoa sunsets 
Observations by Gerard Manley Hopkins from the journal Nature, January 3rd, 1884. Read for LibriVox by Sue Anderson.